So St. Teresa of Avila is a very interesting saint. She's a very colourful character. Um, I think a lot of the time we squash saints or like have this kind of cookie-cutter understanding of saints that in order to be a saint you should be really, really boring, probably old, and like you probably prayed a lot and maybe died with your head over there kind of thing. But like, what we kind of forget like that, that there are as many ways of being a saint as there are people, right? Every life lived to the full, every life lived out of love for God is a holy life, and that person can be a saint. So there are very, very many ways uh, of becoming a saint and very many uh, roots and pitfalls and mistakes that can, be, that can take place beforehand. As they say, every saint has a past, and every sinner has a future. So it's interesting. It's very interesting to see uh, St. Uh, Teresa's life uh, because she thought she was considered, she considered herself a horrific sinner as a teenager. Why? Because she liked boys. She did. And the whole flirting thing and dresses and dressing up and all of that kind of frivolousness, uh, frivolosity, whatever the word is, either or, um, just that kind of superficial lifestyle. Uh, she had a dad who was very, very strict and a mom who had the vice of reading romance novels, otherwise known as the, the then equivalent of Love Island, I guess. I don't know, whatever it was. But um, so she'd kind of hide them, uh, keep them from her, her, her father's sight. And then but when Teresa would see her reading, she said, don't tell your dad. So she kind of found herself in this moral dilemma of being told not to lie, being told not to tell your dad. And, uh, <coughs> so... <coughs> he he, <coughs> he meant it well, her dad. But he was very, very strict. Uh, and seeing her, her teen years being lived out in such a superficial manner, uh, it was considered uh, by all to be a good idea for her to go to the convent. That's the best solution. To this day, it remains that if anyone is uh, you know, unruly, send them off to the convent. That's the way to fix it. Okay. Now, of course, there are many, very, very, very many issues with with such a reaction. <clears throat> Keeping in mind as well, this is 1515. This is a mental time in history. So America has just been discovered for less than 20 years beforehand. So that there are these, you know, a lot of people with, with money or, or the ability want to go to this new promised land and start a new, start a new lifestyle, a new life, and the gold rushes and all those kind of things, you know. So there's that. Then in Europe, you have the, 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 the chaos of the Reformation, which is going to happen soon. Uh, so... It's, 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 it's a time of great, great turmoil. Not, not so unlike our own. I find it very interesting to read a saint from 1515 and a lot of what's being described, yeah, if that was happening now, apart from discovering new parts of the planet, I think we've, we've that more or less done. But, but uh, like the turmoil they describe, the, 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 the unrest, the, 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 the lack of surety, uh, I think it's something that, that's still very, very present today. Okay, so... Um, she entered the, the, the Carmelites. Now, as can happen, any, any good group, one, one founds uh, an order and the founder is there and it's all good because everyone dives in and everyone uh, has, I suppose, clear answers to, to questions because the founder is there. But a couple of hundred years later, did they really mean that we should fast? Did they really mean that we... What, what do you mean poverty like? You know, Poverty, I mean, poverty, surely, I mean, if you have 16 pairs of shoes and someone else has 100, you're poor having 16, so what's poverty, you know? So, um, so life in, in, in the commons became quite superficial, 
uh, quite like dangerously worldly, where those of a more noble background with more money would have a uh, a veil that was made out of silk, while everyone else had cotton. You know, and then they'd kind of get they laced it inside. Then, and then, like jewelry. Now, again, jewelry isn't the end of the world, but we're just pennies didn't exist, so jewelry was probably expensive and it was probably real. So it was a way of kind of showing, bling, I'm rich and you're a mere peasant. You know, so this was the, the kind of standards, different kind of levels of of, uh, of of how people were seen or respected within the convent. So they also even had things known as parties in the convent, right? Which may have also included boys. Now, we won't go dot, 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 but it's just, it's just, it was like, it's a convent like, but there's just something wrong. <laughs> you know, when you, when you read the, the accounts of, of what her early religious life was like, this is something like this. Is, this isn't really it. This isn't really what, what we're called to be. Then, and then the spiritual, in order to kind of make up for that, because they knew there were there were nuns at the same time. Then to make up for that, there'd be all these kind of uh, f- fake ecstasies, and then exaggerated penances, and and all these kind of things going on. You know, so like it was just it was a bit of a mess, a bit of a mess in 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 the convent. Uh, and Teresa had this. Um, gift, kind of like St. Francis, that she was likable, she was fun, she was smart, evidently smart by, by her writings. So she was good company. And I, as can often happen, people who are likable, they like to be liked. They like when people like them. You know, it's nice when people laugh at your jokes. It's, it's, it's nice when people find you interesting. It's nice when people, you know, look for your company. Um, but then see the danger of that, then is you play for that. You, you, you want to say things and do things that will make you likable. So even though uh, her uh, superior asked her to, to, to give lessons on, on prayer because this was, some, this was something very close to her heart, mental prayer. Um, she, ch- she, she charged for it. <laughs> and uh, she says herself like this, that she really she enjoyed the compliments and the, oh my goodness, you're such a saint and all this kind of thing. So even the, the nuns were actually encouraged to, in order to save money in the convent, to leave the convent for extended periods of time. So to go back to their families or whatever, and then come back to the convent. Which, like, I mean, <laughs> not good, not good, not good, not good. Okay, so, so here we have this this uh, sister with ability. So she like she she, she uh, she's actually trying to live this this practice of mental prayer. Now she feels like she's getting nowhere, but it's just her her life isn't really corresponding to it, and uh, the, the environment she's in is. Uh, again, not really conducive to sanctity. Uh, so she doesn't feel like she's making much progress. Now, <clears throat> in her late 30s, and I find this really, it's, probably, it's kind of a negative thing, but one of the things I like most about uh, St. Teresa of Avila is that in her late 30s, she falls ill with malaria, and she's practically par- left paralyzed for about three years. But rather than this experience, turning her back to God, you know, in my weakness I discovered, you know, the, the sweet relief of, of, of a relationship with Jesus. No, it actually led her to spiritual laziness. I'm too weak to pray, and I'm too great a sinner. I'm too great a sinner. I would not burden the good Lord with my words. You know, and so again, because she's smart, she's able to convince herself of these things. And so her, her, her illness kind of led her away further from God. At one point she fell into such a, a, a deep coma, they thought she was dead. And when she woke up, they realized, she realized that they had dug a grave for her. Oh, that could have ended very, very badly. <laughs> right? 
So she, she woke up and said, yeah, that was for you. We decided to... We planted a few roses in there instead, but... Uh, <coughs> right, so that could have been, again, a very blunt end to her story. Okay. So, but then something happens. Right? She meets a priest, and this priest talks to her about the importance of prayer. Now, again, like the word prayer, we've heard it a million times. She had heard it a million times. She'd even spoken, t- taught about it a million times. But something, there was just something, like, again, she's 41 now at this point. And this priest talks to her about like, getting back to basics, getting back to prayer. And she has this, this uh, in German they call it an aha experience. Uh, she has this, this moment where she goes, oh, um, I really need to get my act together. What have I been doing? I've been like I've been trying to sit in two stools here for twenty years, trying to sit in like you know the, the comforts of life and the the compliments of people, and at the same time trying to kind of please God, and then scooting between the two, and you're never really at peace with either. Because what if we just gave God everything? And she decides to to start living a life living her vocation to the full or to the best of her ability right now you would imagine that'd be absolutely fantastic and that you know she'd be met with 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 great applause and approval no uh, the sisters hated her many of them hated her because now she was raising the bar so now you know rather than saying so uh we shouldn't be having parties what do you mean we haven't had, we've always had parties we've always had these people over uh, we should be living in poverty. What do you mean you live in poverty? You know, I've grown up with noble blood. I am a... They use some Sanchez. I am a Sanchez. Right? And we, we own half of wherever, wherever it is. Who are you to say I can't have my rings? So it did not go down well, as is often the case for those who tries to, try to raise, raise the standard. So <clears throat> this, was, this was very, very difficult. Now, some recognized in her, some recognized the, the, the sanctity in her and, and the truth of what she was saying. So, uh, it was another 10 years, though, before she would be able to start traveling around, founding new convents. And even then, there were all sorts of problems because she was seen as a troublemaker. Keep in mind, this is the what, six, early, early 16th century. <coughs> um, church and state in a lot of places, it's all kind of mixed up. So, people wanted... The, the, the rulers wanted the approval of the religious because then, then you, 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 you control everything. If you control people, you know, the land, the civil life, and basically you control the church, you are almighty. You can do anything because no one is going to contradict you. Whereas now she comes along and says, mm, it's not really the case. So she, like, she was seriously unpopular. She'd arrive at towns and she'd have to have an armed guard to get to the convent. Or she, she got to one particular convent once and they woke up the following morning and some locals had ripped off the side wall of the house, you know, the way you be. She must have slept fairly soundly that night. <laughs> My good, now that I think of it. Um, so she, was, she wasn't, she was not popular. She was not popular at all uh, at the time. But all, in all this, she, she, was, she was deepening this, this understanding of mental prayer. For mental prayer, in my opinion, is nothing else than an intimate sharing between friends. It means taking time frequently to be alone with him who we know loves us. The important thing is not to think much, but to love much. 
and to do that which best stirs you to love. There's just an elegant simplicity in what she's saying here. You know, it's not it's just you have to sit there and kind of try really hard and concentrate or say lots of prayers. These are saying lots of prayers. It's good, and it's good that one tries. But, but mental prayer, she's saying, is just means taking time frequently to be alone with him who loves us, just to be with the Lord. That's contemplation. That's contemplative prayer. <clears throat> you know, so just to simply be with the Lord. Okay, so uh, she had mystical experiences as well, also levitations, and when it happened, she asked the sisters to sit in her. Um, <coughs> so, so uh, because she didn't want, she didn't want, like she wanted her prayer to be a kind of a private thing. She didn't want people saying, "Oh my goodness, you're such a, you're so holy," or whatever. She wanted to, to keep these things to herself. So she actually saw them almost as, as kind of chastisements. Oh Lord, I don't want to be levitating. Oh, here we go. You know, because uh, I don't want, you know, she, she actually saw them as kind of punishments for her wasted years. Okay. Um, her biggest fault was her, her friendships, though. This is the, the thing that she found it hardest to, to, to let go of. You know, although she wasn't sinning, she was still very attached to people's approval, you know, liking to be liked in that. And God asked of her a sacrifice now that he was not asking of us necessarily. But for her, this was necessary. He, says to her, he said to her, no longer do I want you to converse with human beings, but with angels. You know, again, he's not saying to all of us we can't have friends, but in her case, this was, ne- this was, this was a necessary break uh, in order to devote her life uh, to, to the Lord. On one particular occasion, she got permission to found a, con- a convent, which she did, from a local king. And then... Lo and behold, the princess of said king turns up at the door with all of her bags and baggage and servants. Says, I shall enter here. <laughs> and Teresa says, not with all them you want. Uh, so she did enter, but then she wanted the nuns to serve her on, her, on their knees. And St. Teresa said, no, these sisters will not serve you on their knees. So then said princess reported St. Teresa of, of Avila to the Inquisition. You are a witch. <laughs> crazy times. Absolutely crazy times. Uh, anyway, so it's just very interesting because I, I think we can often think that saints just, you know, I don't know, they prayed a bit and they were grand and they were all holy and then they died. Uh, but like the, they, she suffered an awful lot of opposition, all sorts of opposition as well. And, um, but it's kind of, it's, it's interesting that, how do they say it in, in the, market, the world of marketing? Um, no such thing as bad publicity. All of these stories and of her reputation and of her raising the bar and getting kicked out of this city and that city actually start drawing young girls who are actually interested in actually giving themselves to the Lord to her. So then things start, she starts to gain <coughs> um, novices and build, start found more and more uh, reformed Carmelite convents around the place. So what can we learn from her? Two things. One, that I think the fact that she discovers her vocation to a much deeper level relatively late in life. Keep in mind, like this is 15th, 16th century, so uh, the healthcare system was kind of non-existent. Consisted more or less of a saw and a hammer for most things, and maybe flat seven up and and a cold rag. That was probably the extent of the healthcare system. 
Okay, so people didn't live very long. So when she, dis when she begins her conversion or rediscovery uh, in, at the age of 41, that's, that's relatively late in life. But she does so, which I think teaches us that it's actually never too late to rediscover prayer. It's never too late to kind of start again. It's never too late. Right? Not really a problem for most to eat now because you're relatively young. Um, but it's never too late to, to, to rediscover the Lord. And secondly, mental prayer. You see, the, the way she describes it is it, it's so simple, you see. It's actually something that we can be doing much more than we think much more often when one is working. Like we have our, our, our Saxon at the moment now. We should be up around after Mass and busy buzzing around and moving things here and there and cleaning things up. And then during that, she can actually be engaged in mental prayer, which, <coughs> as we heard, it means takes taking time frequently to be alone with him who loves us. Just to be alone with God. If you're working in an office, walking from the chapel here down to the lodge, driving to work, whatever you're doing, taking time to be alone with God. And I, I think, if I may add, this isn't from, from St. Teresa of, of Avila now, but for us, for most of us, and especially for, I think for us lads, push through the awkwardness right because like you might be kind of hi Jesus it's me don't really know what to say How, how's things um, haven't seen the forecast for heaven is, is weather good good up, good up there um, so uh, it's kind of a busy day coming up uh, would mind a bit of help with a, with a few old things there now and uh Stay with it, because like you see, this is all the kind of the awkward bit. This is the awkward bit of prayer. This, this isn't how I pr pray usually. <laughs> right? But like, what you don't do is finish it up with uh, Christ the Lord of Men, and to, uh, push through the awkwardness until you actually get to this kind of quieter time where you can just actually be with the Lord. Don't end this just because you've said everything you, that was on your mind at the time. Stay with it. Stay with it. And give the Lord time to answer. Give Him time to speak. Give Him time to, and and also believe, like trust what you're, what you're hearing. At times, uh, when we have a, a time of silent prayer, and we might feel the Lord is giving us some consolation, but now he, he wouldn't really talk to he wouldn't talk to me. Like I mean, I'm not a mystic or anything, so so no. And then we discount that God can actually talk to us, and then you miss you miss the the gift that He was offering, the consolation that he, the guidance that He was offering you. You miss it because you think, no, nah, yeah, He wouldn't. He, I couldn't. I don't. No. 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 So push through that kind of awkwardness at the beginning of prayer. Stay with it. <coughs> and believe what the Lord says to you. And the Lord is a great teacher, great teacher. Because like, he'll start teaching you through small things. <coughs> things that seem in insignificant. Like, <coughs> would you like to stay five more minutes with me? Or, or he might remind you of something that you have to do. Or something that you might need to cut out. Small little things. No one else is going to notice. And there's nothing kind of, you know, mystical in the sense of levitations here. It's just it's just small little directions. Now, if you're faithful to them, then you're ready then for the for for the slightly bigger things. If I'm ready to be obedient to the Lord in the small things of the day, then I'm ready to be obedient to Him in the medium things of the day. And if I get used to obeying Him in in, in those kind of things as well, like forgiveness of people or if I have a free hour, what I should do with it. If I get used to obeying him in those things, 
then I'm ready for him to re reveal my vocation or the, the much bigger issues, the much bigger issues. But he, he starts by training us with the small things. And if I get used to obeying him in those, then he can trust me with more. But if I never get used to obeying him in those things, he, he, he won't trust me with more because I'm not ready. <clears throat> so that's why, that's why this, this idea, this, this reality of, of prayer and mental prayer is just so important. Because the more I get used to being with him and listening to him and obeying him, the, the, the quicker and the more he can guide me. Prayer is nothing else than an intimate sharing between friends. It means taking time frequently to be alone with him who we know loves us. The important thing is not to think much, but to love much, and to do that which best stirs you to love. The end of that quotation is, love is not great delight, but desire to please God in everything. Love isn't necessarily great delight. It's not necessarily immediately fulfilling or satisfying. It's not necessarily joyful at the time. <coughs> but it's a desire to please God in everything. So we ask St. Teresa to teach us today to teach us to listen to the Lord and to obey his word as we spend time with him who longs for us. Amen. Amen.